Welcome to Woodland Church. Here is today's message. Transitional period for God's people. They were a people that were supposed to have the Lord be their king. The Lord was their protector. The Lord would lead them. The Lord would guide them. The Lord would provide for them. And within Samuel's reign as judge and prophet and priest within Israel, the people had rejected God as their king. They said, we want to look like every other nation. And Samuel anoints for them a new king. And we had looked at that last week and we had examined how how Samuel's private life and public life always matched up. And the challenge for us last week was that our private life is truly who we are, and our public life is who we think that we are. And how do we, as God's people, allow our lives to be lined up and live it out as how God has called us to be living? Well, this week, we are going to be looking at Samuel's farewell address. I figure that would be one of the best places to be ending the life of Samuel with Samuel's final words to God's people. This is his last speech recorded within Scripture. You will see him show up again, but this is his farewell address. And he starts off this speech by asking the people some very important questions. He wants to find out if he has defrauded anyone within Israel. So he starts off by asking them, Have I taken any of your oxen? Have I taken any of your donkeys? Have I defrauded any of you? Have I, as your judge and leader, have I taken any bribes while I have led you? And then he says, Have I oppressed any of you? And Samuel gives this final question to kind of make sure that as Samuel led God's people that he led them well and the people of God looked at Samuel and said, Samuel, you have not done any of those things to us. Samuel just wanted to simply make sure that he had led well. Well, we are going to look at his final words here. So that was kind of his opening to his, his farewell. But if you have your Bibles with me, with you, turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 12. We're going to be starting in verse 6, and I'm going to ask for you to stand this morning. We are going to read a large section of Scripture. If you get tired, you're welcome to sit down. I'm just pre-warning you here. We're going to read 6 till the end. And this this is Samuel's final words, his farewell address to God's people. And it says this, And Samuel said to the people, The Lord is witness, who appointed Moses and Aaron and brought your fathers up out of the land of of Egypt. Now therefore stand still that I may plead with you before the Lord concerning all the righteous deeds of the Lord that he performed for you and for your fathers. When Jacob went down into Egypt and the Egyptians oppressed him, Then your fathers cried out to the Lord, and the Lord sent Moses and Aaron, who brought your fathers up out of Egypt and made them dwell in this place. But they forgot the Lord their God. And he sold them into the hands of Caesarea, commander of the army of Hazar, into the hand of the Philistines, and into the hand of the king of Moab, and they fought against them. Verse 10, and they cried out to the Lord. And said, we have sinned because we have forsaken the Lord and we have served Baals and Ashtoreth. But now deliver us out of the hand of our enemies that we may serve you. 
And the Lord sent uh, Jeroboam and Barak, that's not Barack Obama, that's just Barak, uh, and Jephthah and, and Samuel, and delivered you out of the hand of your enemies on every side, and you lived safely. And when you saw that Nahash and the king of the Ammonites came against you, you said to them, No, but a king shall reign over us, and the Lord your God was your king. Now behold, the king whom you have chosen, for whom you have asked, behold, the Lord has set a king over you. If you will fear the Lord and serve him and obey his voice and not rebel against the commandments of the Lord, and if both you and your king who reigns over you will follow the Lord your God, it will be well. But if you will not obey the voice of the Lord, but you rebel against the commandments of the Lord, then the hand of the Lord will be against you and your king. Now, therefore, stand still and see this great thing that the Lord will do before your eyes. Is it not the wheat harvest? Today I will call upon the Lord, and he will send thunder and rain, and you shall now see that your wickedness is great, which you have done in the sight of the Lord, in asking yourselves for a king. So Samuel called upon the Lord, and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day, and all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. Then all the people said to Samuel, Pray for your servants of the, of the Lord your God, that we may not die, for we have added to all of our sins this evil to ask for ourselves a king. And Samuel said to the people, Do not be afraid. You have done all this evil, yet do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with your heart and do not turn aside after empty things that cannot profit or or deliver for they are empty for the lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake because it has pleased the lord to make you a people for himself moreover as for me far be it from me that i should sin against the lord by ceasing to pray for you and i will instruct you in the good and the right way verse 24 only fear the lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart. For consider what great things he has done for you. But if you still do wickedly, you will be swept away, both you and your king. Let us pray. Father, I thank you for the life of Samuel. Father, I pray today, Lord, that as we examine his final words to your people at this time, Father, I pray, Lord, that we will learn from your people of the past. Father, soften our hearts to your word. Lord, I desire for you to be glorified and honored this day. I ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. You might be thinking, Pastor, how are you going to cover all of these verses Today, this was one of the longest sections we have ever read. Well, we are going to be breaking this down into basically three sections today. We are going to be looking at the history lesson, the present charge and warning, and his final command to God's people. Now, you guys all know, actually somebody asked me this morning, Pastor, are you going to give us a history lesson today? Guess what? You get another history lesson today. I hope you guys are not getting bored with the history lessons. But what you will see here is that Samuel's final speech, his final address, is really nothing new. As you look back and as you look at Moses' final words, as you look at Joshua's final words, all of them are basically very similar in nature. And it is a history lesson 
about what God has done in the past, and it's a reminder to God's people not to follow what they had done. See, over and and over, and you guys know this, if we ourselves don't look at the history of the past, we are probably bound to repeat it in some fashion. Now, I would also say this, there are human beings that know history, and they still repeat it. That's like, so you can know the history, and you can still walk down the same road and, and realize, hey, we learned from this history lesson, let's continue to do what the history lesson told us not to do. But within God's people, there, Samuel is giving them a history lesson to remind them of where they were and to remind them who God was and what God has done for them. And what you will see here is that the Lord is trying to remind them of where they came from. He says, do you remember Aaron and Moses? Do you remember when you were down in, down in Egypt? Now, remember, this is many generations after Right? So, the, so, so these Israelites, God's people, had probably heard this story over and over and over from a very, very young age. They would be passing this story down and down. This was a story that they knew perfectly, that God has sent Jacob down to Egypt. And Jacob and his descendants lived there. And then oppression came, and slavery came, and they spent 400 years being oppressed. And Samuel is saying in verse 12, 7, he says, Now therefore stand still that I plead with you before the Lord concerning all the righteous deeds of the Lord that he performed for you and for your fathers. He wants them to recognize, let me remind you of how great our God is and was. That's why he brings up Egypt here. He says, remember Egypt? Those were terrible times back then. Your fathers and your descendants or ancestries, descendants would be after, right? I got to like make sure that we're going in the right direction here. All your previous generations, it was a hard life down there. But remember the righteous deeds that God had performed? He wants them to recognize and recall. Remember when the Lord rescued God's people out of there? Remember how he parted the Red Sea? Remember how he provided manna? Do you remember the righteous deeds the Lord has performed over and over for his people? Because people forget They might have heard this story constantly, but they forget. Just like we forget at times, right? Like like there will be historical events that take place where, and I would say in our personal lives, but also as a nation, right? Like say there are events that, that literally take place that we did not live through, but were very significant events within our lives. I always think of just Pearl Harbor. The reason why I think about that is because I remember talking to my grandmother multiple times about about that historical event. I never lived through it, right? I wasn't there, but my grandmother, she was. She was in high school. She remembers it coming in on the radio where she was, what took place, 
And it was a mark within history that she never forgot. But the reality is, is that as generations go on, we forget. Pearl Harbor, to my generation, to her, compared to her generation, are two totally different things. And I would also say, just like 9-11, if you are a college student, you were probably barely alive, if you were. 9-11 was like, that was just an event that you have read about, heard about, right? But for some of us, we watched it happen live. And it burns within us. And Samuel here is trying to get them to remember how the Lord had rescued them and saved them from the past. Remember Egypt? Remember all these other judges? Remember how the Philistines came against you? How the Lord had protected you? Remember all that the Lord has done? And the reason why is because we forget at times. See, guys, there is a cycle within the entire Old Testament. And I've probably talked about this cycle. But the cycle is very, very simple. God's people will live in a good season, meaning their enemies are at bay, there is peace in the land, they are living righteously underneath their one true king. Um, but then they forget about the Lord. And this is like, this is a constant cycle. Good times, we forget about the Lord. And then they fall into the hands of their, into their enemies. And then scripture says this, and then my people cried out to me. It's this constant, constant cycle. If you are ever wondering what is the Old Testament cycle, what is the New Testament cycle, what is the cycle within today's world, it is simply that. Good times, they forget about God. Difficulties come. Hardship comes. Then they cry out to the Lord and the Lord rescues them. And he, Samuel, is saying, do not forget about how the Lord has always been faithful to you. The Lord has always taken care of you. Even when they were a stiff-necked people and they had rejected the king, over and over they cried out to the Lord, and the Lord had rescued them. Well, Samuel here is about to remind them of what, can take place within God's people. I want to turn to 1 Samuel 12, 13, and 14. These, these two verses, he's kind of reflecting upon their, their current situation. He says this, he says, Now behold, the king whom you have chosen, for whom you have asked, behold, the Lord has set a king over you. And then God gives them this like ultimatum, kind of. This like, you've got two roads to go down, God's people. He says, if you fear the Lord and serve him and obey his voice and not rebel against the commands of the Lord, if both you and your king who reigns over you, if you will follow the Lord your, your God, it will be well. Samuel says, listen, this is how it's always been within God's people. If they fear him, if they serve him, if they obey his voice, if they do not rebel against his commands, if both you and your king, now there's another thing added on there. They're not allowed to rebel against the Lord and their king gets tossed into the mix here. Because now times have changed, right? They had already rejected the Lord being their king and the Lord says, listen, it, it, 
It can be well for you, but you need to come under the, under the authority of the Lord. And your king, Israel, has to fall underneath that authority as well. I don't want to fast forward and ruin all the Old Testament stories for you, but Israel doesn't always get good kings. And then they fall. And then they get a good king. And then, then the next generation's a bad king. Then they'll have three, three or four bad kings, and then they like have a good king. But it's this constant cycle. But the Lord says, it will be well for you if, and you can sum it up in one very simple word, if you simply follow the Lord, Israel. If you follow him, it will be well. But then there's a but. 1 Samuel 12, 15. But if you do not obey the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the commands of the Lord, then the hand of the Lord will be against you and your king. Like I said, you see this terminology a lot if you've read Deuteronomy and Joshua. Joshua's last speech is almost almost identical. Basically, there is this calling out to God's people. This is how great our, our God is. Obey his voice. But if you don't, disaster is going to come upon you, nation. It will not be good. But throughout all of it, you see this time and time again, but they cried out to him. But they cried out to him. But here, there's a phrase here that I want to kind of touch on here that I think is so important, and it's a phrase that I, I don't hear us talk about a lot within churches. And if you can throw back on 12, 15 up there, he says, at the very end, he says, but if you do not obey, if you want to rebel, then the hand of the Lord will be against you and your king. I bring that up because I don't, ever hear anyone talk about that in their lives. Now maybe I'm missing it. Maybe there is some conversations out there that you have like had and maybe I've just never been a part of it. And I don't even think I've ever even said these words, but I've never heard anyone say, Pastor, I think right now God's hand is against me. I've I've literally never heard anybody talk about that or talk like that. I've heard people say, well, if God is for me, who can be against me? I've heard people have this idea that because they're living and breathing and because they call themselves a believer in Christ, that, well, God's hand is always for me. It really doesn't matter. I mean, you know, I've got Jesus, and his hand is with me, and he's always leading me forward, and God is just always, always pushing me forward, and it's always good, and his hand is never against me. I bring this up because what we see here within Scripture is that God gives them this, like, ultimatum. Like, listen, like, you can, like, obey him, or you can disobey And when God's people disobey, Scripture here says, his hand becomes against you. And Samuel's like reminding God's people of this. And I just think, honestly, church, sometimes, have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought that in your life that God's hand is actually against you? Now, this doesn't mean that God 
forsakes us because Samuel here reminds them God has been faithful towards his people. God has, he, he has always bailed them out. When they cry out to him, he is always there. He does not abandon them. He does not leave them. However, when God's people veer from obedience, when they decide to go their own way, he gives us this picture that, hey, his hand it will actually be against you at times. And church, I just simply bring this up because I don't think we ever talk about that. It's almost like we like live in this bubble sometimes of like, well, you know, he loves me and, you know, he always wants the very best for me, you know, and it really doesn't, yeah, yeah, sure, I'm, I'm, I live in a little bit of sin, but that's fine, don't worry about that. And, you know, who cares if I'm kind of dabbling here and, and going down, down here and, and, you know, like, who cares if I don't fully submit my life to the king? You know, like, he, he has most of my life, so, you know, his hand is always for me, and, you know, he just wants good things all the time. And it's like, as you read scripture, you will see moments in time where God's hand actually becomes against his people. And it's not because he has abandoned us. It's not because he's like, well, done with you, moving on. I want to turn to Psalm. Actually, I jumped ahead there, but we're going to turn there. Anyway, Psalm 32. If you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm 32, verses 3 and 4. Before you put it up there, I want to, I want to tell you what is happening here. David's life right now, not good. I'll just leave it there. David's living in sin. David is not obedient to the Lord in this season when he writes this. And it's not necessarily this season, but David's like reflecting back. And if you've ever read Psalm 32, it's, it's, it's very good. He says, David says this. I'm sorry, my microphone's driving me nuts. I, I, I'm blaming Mitch. Sorry. Sorry, Mitch. David says this. When I kept silent... My bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. Verse 4. For day and night, look at this, look at these words. Your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as the harvest of the summer. David gives us this, this like image. And I think it's this perfect image that that, that, that there are seasons within people's lives, within our lives, within your life, within my life, where God's hand will become against us here. David here says, his hand was heavy upon me. David's groaning at night. His bones feel like he's wasting away. He's struggling. His life isn't really going as planned. Right? Like, it's like you just get this picture of David's just wasting away here. He's like, man, I just got this, like, just, just, Lord, your hand is heavy upon me here. Then verse 5 comes. David says this, I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. And I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. See, we, church, sometimes don't understand that sometimes God's hand will be turned against us. 
And it's not because he forsakes us. It's not because he's, he's done with us. It's actually the opposite. It's so that it produces something within us. And David says, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And this is the most beautiful line afterwards. And you forgave me of the iniquity of my sin. I think, church, sometimes we just think God is always pleased with our lives. And I say this because we don't ever talk about, there, there are seasons within our lives, there are times when, when like we're, we're truly not following him. We are truly not having him be the Lord of our lives. And the thing is, church, is we're all going to need to have seasons like that. If you're sitting there thinking, wow, I've never really had a season like that. And I'm like, then you're not human. You will have seasons in your life because as you read, read the entire book of God's word, is that God's people are in this constant cycle. Constant cycle. And it plays out within our lifetime. There are seasons of obedience. And then there are seasons where God's people become, just become totally like relaxed with this world around them. And then they allow sin into their lives. It's, I, don't, I, don't, I don't always think it's on purpose. I just, I just think we have seasons in this life. But then God's hand will turn against us. And what it does is that it helps us to recognize and realize, Lord, I have fallen short. Lord, Lord I simply do not measure up to your standards. And, and then we confess our sins. I love how Peter puts it. 1 Peter 5.6 I think I have this one in there. He says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. This is New Testament here. There is this calling upon men and women's lives to live a life to where we submit our lives to the lordship of the Lord. When Samuel gave this message, Samuel calls out his people. He says, listen, you guys have been living in rebellion. You wanted this king. The Lord gave it to you. But throughout all of it, Samuel wants God's people to know, like, listen, there may be seasons when his hand is against you. And kind of like what like David's word says, like, we just feel like we are, are just wasting away. Like, everything is is at times just completely falling apart. And it's not because God doesn't love you or, or that God has abandoned you. It's actually quite the opposite of that. He's trying to bring us to a place of just humility into a place to where we will humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. First Samuel ends his message with a lot of encouragement. Look at First Samuel 12, 20 through 21. So the Lord had just sent this thunder and rain during the harvest season. And Samuel looks out to the people. And he says this, he says this. He said to the people, do not be afraid. You have done all this evil. Basically saying, listen, 
you got to understand, you have done this evil, but, but, but listen, don't be afraid right now. Here's why. Yet do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. In verse 21, and do not turn aside after empty things that cannot profit or deliver, for they are empty. Even in the midst of their failure, Samuel is giving them these words. Listen, I know you've totally screwed up. I know that you guys rejected the Lord. But I'm telling you now, people, don't give up on following the Lord. Like, like don't, don't just throw in the towel. Don't just be like, well, yeah, we really screwed up and God's completely upset. And it's like there is this restoration that God is constantly doing with his people. And he says, do not chase after empty things. I can tell you so many times, I've seen men and women of God throw in the towel. What I mean by that is that I had a friend, we had, we had gotten saved roughly at the same time, this goes back about 20 years ago, and he was, he was following Christ, um, he was in ministry, but he had some sins in his life that he was unwilling to deal with, meaning he wouldn't, he would never come clean about it. He was, he was unwilling to. And I believe God's hand became heavy upon him. And instead of confessing our sins, which is what scripture always says, if we confess our sins, what does God do? He forgives them, like every single time. Like that's what he does. But what happened was that instead of pursuing Christ, he decided to chase after the things that he desired. And I think that's why Samuel here says, listen, don't be afraid. Like, yes, you, you have fallen short. Yes, you will have seasons in your life where you do not honor God. But, but, but it's a very, very simple process. His hand becomes against you. And then we recognize our sins and we confess them and he forgives them. It's this beautiful, like God, like he just never gives up on us. But here Samuel warns him, like, like, like listen, like serve the Lord. Like do not turn aside from, from following him. Yes, life became difficult. Yes, it's hard. But he says, do not turn aside after, after empty things that cannot profit or deliver for they are empty and you will see God's people as you read the Old Testament God's hand becomes against them and there are times where they confess their sins and they come right back to the Lord and there are times where they continue to pursue after ungodly things they will start making alliances with other kings. They start operating in the physical realm. They start doing everything other than coming to a point to where they just say, Lord, we have made a mess. Samuel is telling them, do not give up. But there is a reason why. 1 Samuel 12, 22. This is why. And I, I love these words. If you have your Bibles, highlight these. For the Lord will not forsake his people. For his great name's sake, it, for, for his great name's sake, because it has 
pleased the Lord to make you a people for himself. I want to read that again. For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake, because it is it has pleased the Lord to make you a people for himself. Church, I bring this to you because I recognize that within Samuel's final words, we all are going to have seasons in this life. We are going to have seasons when we're walking in obedience, and we will have seasons where where we completely fail. And Samuel wants God's people to know that, man, even, even when God's people fail, even when they fall short, yeah, his hand becomes against them. It's for a reason. It's so that they will learn to walk in humility, walk in the lordship of who the Lord is. But Samuel says to him, don't give up on following him. It's okay. Because he does not forsake his people. For his great name's sake, because it has pleased the Lord to make you a people for himself. And I really want to leave us with that encouragement today, church family. I think all of us at some point in time, we are either honoring God with everything, or we are slipping up. And it's this, it's this constant cycle. But I want to give you encouragement today. You might be in a season of like, man, like I'm really, I'm really not truly honoring him. As I really think about my own life, I don't really know, Pastor, if I'm really under, underneath the lordship of Jesus within my life. Like, it's like I'm still kind of hanging on and just kind of doing my own thing, and I haven't really submitted my life to him. It's God's pleasure to be with us. It's literally what he desires is to be with his people. He doesn't want there to be sins, disobedience within our lives. But the good news is is that God has forgiven us of our sins. Actually, he has forgiven us of all of our sins. All of our past sins, all of our sins right now, all of our future sins. And the Bible is so easily clear. Lord, if we just confess them, Lord, I have made a mess. Lord, I, I have not been fully honoring you in my life. It's like, then he forgives us. He does it every single time. But I think sometimes, church, and I brought up this like friend of mine, sometimes when we fall into sin, the last thing we want is to be with God. We see that from the very beginning. I talk about Adam and like Eve a lot because Adam and Eve are, it's such a perfect picture. What happens? They fell into sin, right? Like the serpent came. They ate the apple or the fruit. Sorry, not the apple. I don't want to, you know, assume that. By the way, do you know how like apple has like that apple missing? My wife told me apple is the mark of just Satan here because of the forbidden fruit. That's just a side note. I'm totally, I went down a total like rabbit trail there. That thought like came to me. But Adam and Eve, here they are. They eat the fruit. What do they do? They hide. And I see that within people's lives. When our lives are, are falling apart and we're living in sin, we hide. Oh, I, I'm not going to go to church. I'm not going to like talk to my friends. I'm, I'm, feeling, I'm feeling ashamed. I'm, 
I'm feeling guilty. It's okay. Confess them. Repent. Like, like, there is no sins within our lives that can't be forgiven. But I have seen this play out is that when people go through just these real, real difficult, sinful times, we've got to make a choice. Are we going to run to the Lord is what God and Samuel says here. Like, just, just keep on following him. Just, just, just keep on pursuing him. Don't be chasing after these, like, empty things. They will not profit you. Like, yes, it's a difficult season. But if we just come and confess, say, Lord, I've fallen short. He forgives us every single time, church. I want to just bring that encouragement to you because you will have seasons if you are not in one right now where you are not walking in obedience to him. Pastor has had seasons. This is like the mankind's plague that is upon us. But as we come to him, we humble ourselves. Lord, I've made a mess. Lord, forgive me. And he does. And I want to bring that encouragement to you guys today, church. You might be living in some serious struggles right now. Confess them to the Lord. Come and humble yourself under his mighty hand. And he will exalt you. He forgives us. He loves us. It's his pleasure that we are his people. Because that's what he desires is us. Oftentimes, I don't know why. I think about that one often. Lord, why do you desire people that are constantly falling short, constantly screwing up, constantly abandoning you, constantly chasing after other gods? Lord, how are you this faithful towards us? How are you this steadfast in your love? But as David says over and over throughout the Psalms, his love is steadfast towards us. Oh man, he loves us, church. I want you to stand and I want to pray for us this morning. I want to, I want to pray that, that we would be men and women that live under this authority. Joanne, you can come and just play some piano music while I pray for us today. Father, we, we just come, Lord. Father, I want to just take this moment within our lives, Lord. For us just to recognize the faithfulness that you have had towards your people. Father, from the very beginning, when they rebel against you, you are always faithful towards them. Lord, we will have seasons where your hand becomes against us at times because of the sin and the rebellion that is within your people at times. Father, I pray this morning, Lord, that your church, that your people would come before you this day. That they will come and that they would confess their sins to you. Say, Lord, I fall short. Lord, help me not to live in, in rebellion against you. Father, I desire to see your people, your church, fully submit our lives to your Lordship. Father, I thank you for your grace and your forgiveness upon our lives. I thank you for the life Samuel lived and, and, and his final speech, his final warning to your people. 
Father, may we take it to heart today. Father, I praise you for how you, you love us, how you take us back. Father, you are so good. We give you the praise today. And Father, as, as we get ready to go, Lord, Father, I lift up the offering to you today as well, Lord. May we continue to see your kingdom come and your will be done. And may we honor you through our giving today, Lord. Father, I thank you. And we praise you this day. I ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.